0: My guest is a magna cum laude graduate, where he was selected USA All-Academic first team. Ashaka Smart has demonstrated the ability to build a unique and competitive program at VCU and at Texas, has recruited a number of number one draft picks, including Jackson Hayes and Jared Allen, and Mo Bamba, a passionate, enthusiastic, and sincere coach who is elite in terms of building relationships, teamwork, and chemistry. His wife, Maya, is a tremendous supporter of friendship and bond that's uncommon in intercollegiate sports. Welcome, friends. Shaka, your, your style, your sincerity, and the way you approach people, I mean, it's remarkable. I really have enjoyed getting to know you.
1: Well, I've enjoyed getting to know you, too. Thanks for having me on.
0: You know, your background, you're an assist leader in high school and college, a magna cum laude. How do you decide coaching is what you want to do?
1: When I was a young kid, I was raised by a single mom, and it was really my basketball and soccer. Those are my two favorite sports my basketball and soccer coaches that just poured so much love and interest and coaching into me and really filled a father figure void that was there because my dad wasn't around. Um, And then when I went to college, um, the coach that recruited me, you know, I I really, really looked up to him and and saw him as uh, almost like a replacement for my dad. So I love the game so much. When I got done playing, that just seemed like the natural thing to do, just because of the impact the coaches had had on me, and then also it was a chance to stay involved in basketball and stay competitive, and you know, be a part of uh, of an exciting profession.
0: And it, it wasn't easy. I mean, you had to start in Division Three school and work your way up. So, talk a little bit about that journey. What that journey was like.
1: I played Division Three. Uh, at a school called Kenyon College. And Kenyon College is much more known for being a great liberal arts school, a terrific uh, English program. I was a history major. Uh, and then they had a national championship swimming program. They won the national championship like every year. Uh, basketball was probably the last thing it was known for. But again, the reason that I chose the school, uh, the coach that recruited me, a guy by the name of Bill Brown, was just a. Real positive influence on me, and I looked up to him. Uh, I, I wanted to, you know, be able to impact people the way that he did. Um, so when I got done playing, he had moved on to a school called California University of Pennsylvania, which is not far from you, Jed. And uh, that's a Division II program. He'd done a great job with that school. They were a perennial uh, NCAA tournament team in Division two. So I was able to go work for him as a graduate assistant. And to be honest with you Jed, I couldn't have gotten a better experience in my first two years in coaching because when you're in division two, you're part of a smaller staff than division one staff. That means you're gonna do a little bit of everything even as a graduate assistant. So at 22, 23 years old, I was you know, doing individual workouts. I was doing scouting reports. I was doing some recruiting. And just learning on the job. And so that was a, a terrific experience for me.
0: So how do you end up moving on to Dayton?
1: I had worked at camp. You know, back in those days, Jed, you know, there was more, I guess, people going around working other people's camps. You know, I know there's some restrictions on that now as it relates to recruiting and the NCAA rules. But uh, my first couple of years out of college, I worked a ton of camps. You know, just any camp I could be a part of, I went and worked and. When I was a kid, basketball camp was like my favorite thing ever. So uh, getting a chance to, uh, you know, be a basketball camp counselor or coach was a lot of fun as a young coach. And I was able to meet some people. And University of Dayton was one of the places where I went and worked camp multiple times. And fortunately, Coach Purnell thought highly enough of me to give me an opportunity to come there. That was really my first opportunity and, and, and chance to be a part of a Division One big-time program. Dayton, as you know, unbelievable fans, uh, great, great support there, and just a, a real dedication to being great in basketball. And so I can't think of a better place at the Division One level to, to learn. So
0: then you had a couple more moves before you ended up at VCU. When I was at
1: Dayton, Oliver Purnell, uh, my boss, got the Clemson job. And I know you've kind of been on the other side with, you know, all your search firm experience. When you're a young coach, sometimes, you know, you find out about coaching changes in in the craziest of ways. So we were at the Final Four in New Orleans in 2003, and I was actually at a uh, bar slash restaurant on Bourbon Street. It was an outdoor area. And I saw I looked up at the TV and I saw. Sports Center. It was there was, was a logo, a Clemson logo, and Oliver's face goes Purnell's face, and that's how I found out that that he got the job at Clemson. So, you know, that's one of the interesting things about our business is you know things happen quick. Uh, but I went down there with him briefly, but I was still in an off the road, non coaching position. So I really wanted to get a chance to get on the floor and coach, and and then also do some recruiting. So. I left there and went to University of Akron. Worked for a great, really two great head coaches there. First one was Dan Hipscher, and then a guy by the name of Keith Danbrod, who I'm still very very close with today. After that, I went back to Clemson. I worked for Coach Purnell. Just really fortunate to be a part of, you know, what he was able to do there, which was just build that program up to. I think he's the only coach ever to go to three consecutive NCAA tournaments at Clemson. But then I left there, Jen. I went to Florida worked for Billy Donovan. Now, when I went to Florida, I planned on being there for like five, six, eight years because Billy Donovan is another head coach that I really looked up to. I had worked their camp when I was a young guy and I was like, man, I finally, you know, really the guy at the top of the profession. Uh, He was a year removed from winning two national championships at that point. Uh, But Jed, I only ended up being down there for 10 months because at the end of that first season, I got a call from the athletic director from VCU and he asked me if I would interview for the job and then, you know, things went fast after that.
0: So when you go to VCU, talk about what you inherited and how you tried to put your footprint and your belief system into the organization.
1: Well, I followed a phenomenal coach in Anthony Grant, now the coach at University of Dayton and I mean they were one of the best teams in the country this past season. So I followed Anthony and He had had a ton of success at VCU, had been there for three years and and, won a ton of games and championships, had a player by the name of Eric Maynard, probably the best player in in school history at at VCU. Um, And so he was graduating as Anthony was departing VCU and I was coming in. There was a lot of good returning players. Um, So I was fortunate in that. You know, we did have some real talent back. We had a kid by the name of Larry Sanders who was from Florida that was 6'10", 6'11". Really, really talented young guy. Ended up being a year later the 15th pick in the NBA draft. But as you know, when you come in as a coach, you, you have to in some ways kind of reframe or rebuild the mentality of the program because so much is lost when you know, the head coach that that had built that, even with a really successful program, leaves. Um, and then, like I said, on top of that, the best player in school history had graduated as well. So, you know, I learned very early on that I had to be myself. I couldn't try to be the same as as another coach. I couldn't try to be exactly what Billy was or what Oliver had been or, or, or do exactly what Anthony had done at BCU. I had to kind of put my own uh, philosophy and belief behind it.
0: What is that when you talk about your philosophy? Trying to build relationships with
1: these guys, trying to meet them where they are, but at the same time, help them become something better uh, than what they currently are. And it's, a, it's an everyday process. You know, it's, it's not something where you uh, can do a good job one day and then say, okay, we're good for the next several days. You got to keep working at
0: it each day. Talked about how these coaches were really like father figures to you. And my sense in our conversations, I didn't know that, is that that's kind of the kind of your DNA as it relates to your team is that you try to be that type of person with your players.
1: Well, certainly relationships, if I only could pick one word, that probably is the most important word to me as it relates to coaching college players and going about my job. I really value the relationships. Uh, with the guys that I get to coach the with the with the former players that I used to coach, sometimes those relationships take on a really different dynamic because you know with age guys gain a level of wisdom and uh you know can kind of look back and see that you weren't so crazy when you were on them about doing this differently or this better.
0: You also built an intensity level in in that havoc approach that that you instilled. And with the fans as close as they were to the floor, I mean, that had that had to play to your style.
1: We figured out pretty quickly a style of play. We thought fit not only the personnel that we had on our team, uh, but also our coaching staff, the way that we coached and the school and the fans. I mean, you wanted all those things to fit together. The guys did a really good job of embracing it. It did take some time. It was different. Uh, you know, there's a sacrifice involved when you play that way. Uh, you have to really, really be committed to really maximum effort on the, on the defensive end. Uh, but the guys did a great job and it, it got better over
0: time. So, and one of the things about being at VCU is that you're able to keep players there longer. I mean, you have more veteran players. And, For then, sure. and that, I would think, plays into that type of system.
1: Well, it plays into a couple things, Jed. First of all, the more time you spend around someone, the better you get to know each other and the more commonality there is. Then secondly, for sure, in terms of program or system guys on a college basketball team, it's much easier for players to become that after a year or two or three than it is early in their career. Not that it's impossible, uh, but it's much much easier. So uh, we were fortunate. We we pretty much had everyone stay, um, you know, for four years. Uh, the only guy that we had that left early was the, the young man I mentioned, Larry Sanders, who left after my first year. And he was the fifteenth pick in the draft as a junior. And it was interesting because the guys on the team loved and respected him but they also had a drive and a motivation to prove how good they could be without him and that was you know pretty exciting that next season
0: interesting piece is you, you leave which is really a tough decision you 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 come to Texas and you've had this incredible ability to to recruit big men whether it's be Jared Allen or Mobamba or Jackson Hayes or I mean this relationship skills that you have in terms of being able to get these elite players to come there's the good side and the bad side, right? I mean, you're recruiting them and you have them for a short period of time.
1: They, they don't stick around so long. You know, very, very different from each other. Uh, but the thing that they had in common is they all learned very fast and they all had a passion for, you know, being a part of our team and, and, and driving the guys around them to be better. So that was a lot of fun. But as you mentioned, you know, they don't stick around so long when they got great size and they play really well.
0: It's interesting, based on your academic background, and, and as you look to evaluate, you know, talent and, and factoring the types of people that fit your program, what kinds of people, what kinds of individuals, and family, what are you looking for, in someone you you want to bring to the University of Texas? The first
1: thing is making sure that whoever we bring in here matches up with what we value and who we're trying to be. Because I think any coach would tell you that the easiest way for your program or your team to become tougher or more competitive or, you know, stronger with their relationships is to recruit guys that value those things and that are those things. Uh, You can put anything you want on the wall, you can promote whatever you want, but if, if you bring in people that just are not that, then you're really swimming upstream. So, that's the first thing, is we really value relationships. We want guys that value relationships. We value growth, guys really wanting to improve and grow as people, as players on and off the court. So we want to recruit guys that value that as well. Uh, we want competitiveness. That's huge. Uh, so looking for that, trying to find guys that have that competitive edge to them is huge as well.
0: Sure. So, I mean, you have this strong bonding family and I'm sure that you, with Maya, and your, you create kind of a family atmosphere in terms of what, how you make the players feel. I mean, that's the sense talking with you that you create kind of a unique chemistry within your organization.
1: Well, we want our guys to feel supported by all the people around them. College is the most unique time, Jed, in, in a player's life from the standpoint of the number of people surrounding that young man that really their only job every day when they come to work is to help him and his teammates be better. So, you, I mean, you got strength coaches, you got nutritionists, you got athletic trainers, you got academic advisors, in addition to all the guys, people on our immediate staff. You know, the goal, obviously, is just to get young guys to take advantage of all those resources and make the most of them.
0: So from a player development perspective, when the players come in, is each person kind of assessed and you put together an individual development program for them as it relates to strength and wellness and the mental side of things and nutrition and so forth?
1: For sure. Yeah, we have what's called a performance team, which is basically all the people that that work with our guys. You know, I talk to the different members of, of that group about where our guys are at, uh, where where they've been and then where we want them to go. You know, we're really big on trying to plan and trying to put things on paper for the players. Now, at the end of the day, you know, it's like Billy used to say, we don't have magic pixie dust that we can sprinkle on a guy. And then all of a sudden he's going to become a finished product. You know, the process is a, is a long and winding journey for some guys, not as long as others, you know, like a Jackson Hayes came in here and he was like a comet, man. I mean, he just shot through the sky and now, you know, he's in the NBA. But for the majority of players, it is you know not a matter of you snap your fingers and all of a sudden they become great. I wish it was, but it doesn't work that way. It's just good days on top of good days, um, learning from setbacks, learning from success even, and trying to get a little bit better, 1% better each day, each week, each
0: month. You've had a tremendous success with your assistant coaches that have gone on to be head coaches. Is there anything specific you do, or is there certain kinds of individuals you're looking for so that they're able to to become head coaches? How have you evaluated your staff to be able to turn over so many people that have been so successful? I think, first of all, I've
1: been really fortunate with the guys that I've worked with. You know, it's interesting, Jed, just like with former players, with former staff members, the relationship evolves as well. There's, I think, even an added appreciation for each other when that guy becomes a head coach and now he's going through some of the similar things that you you go through as a head coach. And now you get on the phone and you share ideas and you share experiences. I really enjoy that. I mean, that's probably in the top five things for me in terms of what I enjoy about this profession in terms of what we do you know to help those guys i i think nothing special we try to really make sure that every assistant coach in our program is touching every part of the program very very involved in recruiting okay. in player development in game preparation in academics in everything we do just because i was fortunate to work for guys that let me do all those things. And I think that does help prepare you for when you do become a head coach.
0: So talk about the pandemic and how that's affected your program and what you think that's doing to the mental aspect of your players.
1: You know, it's affected everybody, first of all. So, you know, there's a tendency sometimes for any of us to feel like things are personal, even a pandemic. (laughs) And the reality is it's not. I mean, it's the, the, the effects of it can have a personal impact on different people, but we're, everyone's dealing with it. Everyone's dealing with a disruption in their day-to-day lives. Everyone is certainly dealing with some adjustments. So I think the biggest thing, Jed, is trying to help our guys manage the uncertainty. A big part of our job as coaches in a normal time is to lay out for our players, hey, this is exactly what's going to happen next week, next month, over the next several months. Here's the calendar. Here's the schedule. Here's what you need to be prepared for. Here's what you need to do. And unfortunately, none of us can do that right now. I mean, we could try, but it's you know it can change at the drop of a hat. So I think that's probably the biggest challenge for everyone is is just learning to deal with the uncertainty.
0: When you look at the NBA and you see the pace of the game and the amount of threes that they're taking and some of the soft muscle issues and so forth, do you see? Uh, the trend in, in college basketball going and that, you know, that up and down much more quicker pace.
1: I was fortunate Jed to work with USA basketball a couple times as, you know, as, as a, as a coach, I'm part of those staffs. And um, I'm talking about the younger, younger kids, 18 and under and 19 and under. And it was a 24 second shot clock. And I remember some of the coaches saying, man, these kids are really going to struggle. They're going to have a hard time you know, getting a good shot up in 24 seconds. Now we had obviously some really good players um, because you're coaching the national team, but those guys had no issues with that. They adjusted, they figured it out. So I'm actually a proponent for basketball, having more uniform rules across levels. Uh, We're the only sport where the rules are so incredibly different from one level to the next, even the way the court looks is different from one level to the next. In terms of pace of play, I I don't think the emphasis on the three is going away. Steph Curry has just been such a phenomenal player. And what what he and the Warriors have done in terms of just the the mentality about about threes, you you know, you watch Harden with the Rockets. I mean, I don't think that's going anywhere. Uh, The question is just going to be for each individual team, what's the right thing to do? Because it's very very easy to watch those guys and say, "Oh, we need to be like them," but there's a reason that they're so unique.
0: What do you feel like your identity is, your brand now that you've brought? As you look at it, and then as you present your team.
1: Well, I think the biggest thing for our team, Jed, and this is something we've talked about a lot this summer. Uh, we've not done much five on five this summer at all, just because of taking right. things slow with with uh, with the pandemic. But I really believe and and, um, this is not a revelation, but that we're at our best when everyone on our team truly loses themselves in the fight. And I think when you're able to do that, it allows you to play with a reckless abandon to just go after it and be able to uh, overcome, you know, certain mental challenges or obstacles that are out there. And that's really when we've been at our best here, when we've played well. When we haven't played well, you know, we've not been able to lose ourselves in the fight. So that's, you know, in terms of like mindset, that's the biggest thing in terms of our identity. On the court itself, you know, getting our hands on the basketball is a huge, huge thing. Uh, We have a team. We actually have every player from last year back on this year's team, Jed. So it's the first year in four years where we'll actually have an older team. And something we're really excited about, you know, knock on wood, hopefully we're able to play some basketball games later this year. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, we're excited about uh, the group of guys we have and then adding the one freshman that we do have, who's a really, really good player.
0: The style of play, the, the havoc style at VCU just uh, hasn't translated over in terms of the, uh, any specific factors is just, is just different.
1: Uh, it's different. I mean, there's a variety of factors. I think, You know, one thing is the game is called a little bit differently now. They really, um, you know, call the game a lot tighter out on the floor. Uh I think they let a lot of things, you know, occur around the basket and in the paint. But out on the floor, when you're trying to trap guys, uh, when you're putting pressure on the basketball, I feel like the game is called uh, more tightly than it was even five, ten years ago. Another big factor is, you know, who you're playing against. You know, uh, one thing about pressing is the better the ball handlers on the other team and the more of them that they have, the harder it is to press, Uh, not just ball handling, but decision makers. I do think the times where we have pressed here, uh, it's been relatively effective. So it does make sense to do it more, but it's not one of those things necessarily that that where that means, well, if we did it all the time, you know, it would be the best thing for us. We have longer guys here. We don't have as many small, quick guys. We have more length. So that kind of lends itself to more of a zone press than it does to, you know, what we did for the most part of VCU was just got after the ball like crazy. And we used what we called double fist at the time, which was a man-to-man full court pressure.
0: I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me. Uh, The last time we talked, you had your daughter running a mile. What's the latest uh – athletic achievement you've had her attempt
1: well she does not like when i have her do that stuff so it's it's uh definitely like pulling teeth um she's much more into other pursuits but she's our only child so (laughs) i have to you know get my my sports fix a little bit i mean during the during the the initial quarantine when we were all stuck at home i mean i had her out there doing all kinds of stuff the biggest thing as a parent i'm learning is you know, it's got to be about their interests and, you know, what what makes them feel a level of passion. So we're working on that every day.
0: Well, mean, as I said in the beginning, the way you are as a person, your sincerity, your leadership, your passion for people. Uh, it, it's a pleasure to, to know you and to be part of watching you uh, build this program and see the, uh, the fun and love you have with your family. So thank you.
1: Thank you for having me on, Jed. I appreciate you. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you.